sermon podcast of Dan Roschke, pastor of Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information about Bethlehem, visit our website at blclife.org. But now, here's Pastor Dan and his sermon for today. Friends, grace to you and peace from God who comes to us in peace in these violent days. Amen. Katie's at a soccer game this morning. It's a struggle for us, sports and church. It's a struggle. She loves soccer. Um, and no other families seem to have, no other families on the team seem to have uh, the same issue as we do with Sunday morning games. Otherwise, I think it would probably change. But, um, but the coaches and the parents, the other parents and the kids are all quite respectful when Katie does opt out or we opt out on Katie's behalf uh, to be at church instead of Sunday mornings. But this was a big game today. Her coach actually, um, we said, we, we can't be at this game. We'll be at that game. She actually requested, well, what if, could she please be at this game today? And so, uh, so we, we opted that way. And that's where Heather is too. I think parents can understand our struggle these days. The thing about youth sports <laughs> is that it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so good in so many ways, so many life lessons. There's great coaches out there. Uh, it's good exercise for the kids, of course. It's community as the families all get together. And we travel together and stuff. In fact, I remember the first time I went to my kids' sports events and realized, oh, <laughs> this is why we can't get families to confirmation because this is so fun. It's so amazing. I'm thinking about all that. Um, I'm, I'm grieving a little bit, obviously, that the scheduling um, is, is what it is, and it's not a problem for as many people. I'm sad to miss Katie's game. But even more, I'm just thinking about the sport itself today as a way of getting into this difficult gospel text. I'm thinking about how much soccer for Katie, and for us by extension, has changed since she was little. I mean, the coaching has gotten tougher. I think you sports families might be able to relate to the evolution that we've experienced with our kids. Gone are the days of constant affirmation. <laughs> you know, good kick, you know, <laughs> good pass. You know, we'll, we'll do that. I mean, there's affirmation. Parents will, no, gone are not the days of parents constant affirmation. But coaches, constant affirmation. Gone are the days where there's an affirmation, unless it's a great job, then coach will say something. But not when you're just doing your job. Gone are the days of orange slices and box drinks after the game, cupcakes for birthdays. Gone are the days where everybody plays everywhere on the field. Remember those days. Now, coach expects her players to show up, to practice, to hustle, to pay attention, to be out front, to watch soccer on TV in the downtime. She said, pick a premier team and follow it. So you, you start to like just understand the game from the big picture. Have a plan of attack when you're on the field. Bring everything you have to this game, to this match, they say. In fact, nowadays at this level, if you don't show up, she's gonna play somebody else. If you're distracted from the game and not bring in your all, if you haven't rested 
or eaten well, if you've not been on time to practice and warm-ups, if you're not bringing a good attitude to the team, you're going to sit out. If you're clearly not on today, that's okay, but you're on the bench. There's consequences. Everyone on the team gets the opportunity, but if you don't show up, someone else is going to get into the game instead. You see where this is going? God needs someone to play. God needs to put you into the game. The king in Jesus' parable today calls the wedding guests to show up. It's time not for a game, in this case in the parable, it's not a, it's not a soccer game, it's a party. Grace abounding. This is actually way more uh, than youth travel soccer. That, that's just an entree point into this text. Now here in the parable, the king is pulling out the stops. That's the game you're invited into. It's not, it's not a disciplined football coach in this case. It's a king who is ready to shower extravagance. Everyone is paid for already. Food and drink will abound. The table is set. The candles are lit. The band is queued up. The meal is hot and ready to be served. And nobody shows up. They all have excuses in this parable. Most of them just have to work. One to the farm, one to the business. No time for any frivolous, excessive partying. Some have a better offer. They have pre-existing plans. Others just don't really want to come. I mean, they don't really know the wedding couple anyway. So they make something up. They bow out with a quick, friendly text. And then, and then there are others. This is really interesting. There are others who might actually like to go. But some voice in their head is telling them that they're not worth it. That they don't deserve this party, this extravagance. It's not interesting, it's tragic. They've hosted wedding parties themselves and they know how expensive it can be. And so they don't want to put the king out. They've got a bit of a martyr complex, you could say. They mean well, but they fail to see the value in themselves and the value in partaking in the joy. And they just can't let themselves be loved and lavished by the king. And that's a little like in the text. When some actually seize and kill the king's servants who are managing the RSVPs, it kills the spirit of the feast. Have you ever had someone decline a lavish gift that you are so excited to give them? Like say a car, I mean something just over the top. You go through all this work, you figure out how to make it work, you figure out how to make the gift, and they pass. Citing some, oh, not on my account, (laughs) or oh, don't go out of your way, I don't wanna put you out kind of excuse. It just sucks the spirit of joy and generosity and celebration right out of the space. It is like killing the king's servants. So those suffering, martyr-complexed ones decline the invitation also. In fact, the text says nobody 
Nobody who was originally invited shows up. And this infuriates the king. I should do a little textual analysis here. Matthew says that the king then goes out and kills those no-shows, burns their city. It is a violent text in a violent world. Little textual analysis. Fundamentalists have read this very clearly as a reference to hell and the fires of damnation if you don't, quote, show up for Jesus. Okay? Most mainstream scholars, however, look at this in the context of the time that Matthew was writing. And I think it's important to take that into account too. You ultimately need to decide what you think this all means. But let me just share this. At the time Matthew was writing, that was an obvious reference. The king going out and killing the no-shows was an obvious reference to the destruction of Jerusalem and the lackadaisical faith of the chosen ones, the insiders who are squandering the goodness of God and the opportunity to play for Jesus, if you will. I think we need to pray about this and decide uh, for ourselves what we think it means, but I want to present that to you. In that context, it was about the destruction of Jerusalem. Anyway, the king's going to play somebody else, going to put somebody else into the celebration because nobody showed up. You know, it's like when the kid on the team who's the biggest and the strongest has the most talent but who's also got a really bad attitude. She's playing only for herself. She's cutting down her teammates. She's mouthing off arrogantly. So the coach, the good coach, takes that kid out, benches her. She's not showing up for the whole team, for the good of the team, and instead puts the kid who's all heart into the game and might just have enough gumption to turn this game around. The king's going to put someone else in because the privilege round draft picks, those first invited, didn't show up. Is that so heartless? Or is it actually a great move, even a loving move for the good of the whole? I mean, this is the stuff of great sports movies, isn't it? What a text. So the master's servants, I'm, I'm drifting in and out of the text here. So the master's servants, boy, they've been through a lot, haven't they? They go out again and they invite everyone this time. Everyone, that's code for Gentiles. The gospel opens up to everyone. This is what the kingdom of heaven is compared to, Jesus teaches. It's compared to a king who invites everyone. The good and the bad. The riffraff is welcome now. The riffraff. Just verses before, I'll remind you, Jesus was talking about tax collectors and prostitutes getting into God's good graces before those puffed up, and self-righteous Pharisees and elders of the temple. This parable is an elaboration on that. And here's what occurs to me today, friends in Christ. With all due respect, we're the riffraff. You're the riffraff. <laughs> we're the ones who are left out. We're the ones who got scooped up by God's love, and here we are now. We're the ones who coach just put into the game, all heart, with just enough gumption to turn this thing around. 
you're not a perfect group of churchy people. I'm not a perfect pastor. We're broken and jealous and bitter and hungry and sad and lost and struggling and certainly scared. But here we are, scooped up by God's love, probably because of one of God's servants who came out and invited us at some point. Maybe that was a parent or a grandparent or a friend that brought you to the banquet hall long ago. Or maybe it was someone, maybe even a stranger recently. But here we are at God's banquet. Candles lit, food and drink abounding. Here we are still serving and still being served, still feasting, still drinking wine and eating bread, still ingesting and digesting this word of life, this word of God. We're the riffraff siblings in Christ, the good and the bad, all wrapped up into us, all wrapped up into you. And God's gathered you in. All the wedding hall was filled with guests. <laughs> the text goes on. I, I mean, I, I think we have to look at this one guy who gets bounced from the party right at the end of this text. What about that guy that gets bounced because he, wasn't, he simply wasn't wearing a wedding garment? It's kind of a whole nother sermon, but let me say this. When God invites us into the banquet, when the whistle blows and God waves us onto the pitch, we ought to bring everything we've got, including that free garment of grace that God has given. It was free. See, another contextual thing here. Those wedding robes in those days were something that nobody could afford. They were provided by the king at the door of the wedding feast. It's like worship folders for us. Everybody gets handed one at the beginning. Only these are way more expensive. And it's actually something you wear, you put on. God's love and God's grace is so expensive, but it's free for us. And it's something we wear, we put on. It's provided freely at the door before we even sit down. So, for God's sake, put it on. Don't think that you can pass without wearing God's free garment of love and grace and forgiveness. This one guy did. He thought he could get in without putting that on, and he was thrown into the outer darkness. How we too can be tossed out when we choose not to accept God's offer, God's robe of forgiveness and peace. You know, I think we pretty much toss ourselves at that point. We pretty much throw ourselves out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here it is. God's love, God's grace given freely and shed abundantly for you and for everyone. This welcome to all, this challenge 
that we have today, to both receive it, to give it all on our field, on the field that is God's, and to seek to extend that same welcome to everyone else, just like we, the riffraff, have just received from God. That's the party. That's the game. That's the joy. This is where we find ourselves these beautiful October days, siblings in Christ. God's hospitality is multifaceted and exciting and lavish. And you're in. You're in. You're on the team. You're on the field. Let's freaking go. Amen. at Bethlehem Lutheran Church, thank you for listening. Check us out again soon. And to learn more about our national church body, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, visit elca.org. Goodbye for now. And remember, God's outpouring of grace and peace never runs dry. Here's to a new day. Evangelical. That was terrible. To learn more about our national church body. Start over, start over. (laughs) Okay. Is that hard? No, not really. Pretty easy? Yeah. You could edit. Woo!